You know, one of the amazing things about being uh, created in the image of God is because God is creator, because he has created all the beauty that we see around us when we look at the mountains, when we look at the trees and the, the, the wildlife all around, it's amazing what God can create. And because we are created in the image of God, he has given us the capacity to be creative as well, to make all kinds of amazing things. And when you look back at, uh, throughout human history and all the things that mankind has been, been able to uh, imagine and come up with, it really truly is astounding. When you think that now, as a, as a people, we can send uh, astronauts to the moon, that we have walked on the moon. And now, not even that, but they're now looking and making strides to uh, put people on Mars next. You know, where, where will that end? You think of the technology that many of us hold in our hands with our cell phones. You know, I've heard it said, I, again, I don't know the details of it, but I've heard it said that the technology and the ingenuity that goes into our smartphones nowadays is more sophisticated than what was originally used to send men to the moon. That now, just in the palm of our hands, I can write out a message, that message in the blink of an eye, can go from my cell phone to a cell tower up to a satellite back down to another cell tower and into someone's uh, cell phone in a moment. It's amazing the kind of technology that we have nowadays. Uh, not only that, but you hear people nowadays talking about the, uh, that there is coming uh, um, faster and faster internet to where uh, in the near future people are saying that when you go in for surgery, if there is some world-class surgeon on the other side of the globe that you would like to do your heart surgery, your knee replacement, that they'll have internet so fast that they can do the surgery over there robotically and that the internet is fast enough to keep up with the pace of the surgery if there's any complications, that they can handle it from across the globe. It's amazing what we as people can come up with. But as incredible as all of that is, all the things that we can come up with and all the things that we will come up with in the, in the days ahead, there is a danger inherent with that kind of creativity. With the power and the ingenuity that God has given us, it can lead to a place of pride. A place where we feel so self-sufficient and so creative and so powerful that we can get to the place where we feel like we're unstoppable, that not even God can compete with us. Time and time again throughout human history, uh, mankind has created things that we thought put us on the pinnacle and on the same playing field as God. There have been incredible boasts. Many of y'all are probably familiar with the boast of the Titanic. That here was this colossal ship that was unsinkable. And then on its maiden voyage, it sunk. Many of y'all are familiar with the Great Wall of China, this huge structure that thought uh, that the, the Chinese people thought this is going to give us peace and security. This is going to keep out all the invading armies that are seeking to come in and to take our land and take our riches. And it seemed like no one would ever be able to uh, breach this wall. And yet it wasn't, it wasn't breached just once or twice, but several times the Mongol hordes were able to uh, uh, break through the wall and take over China. Not only that, but uh, we've heard uh, of uh, World War II where the Nazis uh, came into power and they said, this is going to be the kingdom of all kingdoms and for a thousand years we'll reign and rule over the world. And it only lasted 12 years. 
So often, the human heart can be so filled with pride at its own achievements and own accomplishments that we feel like we have surpassed God himself. And in God's grace and his providence, he at times has to humble us. And the reason why I bring all that up is because it has been said uh, throughout church history that pride uh, is often seen as the root of many of our sins. That pride is this thing that blinds us to the reality of who we really are and who God is. And what I want us to do in our time here today is I want us to take a, a, a close look at this, at this insidious thing that can grip our hearts called pride and how it can rob us of our relationship with God and our relationship with others. But more than that, I want us to look at how God relates to those who get trapped by pride. Because here's the thing. Although God says time and time again, time and time again in his word that he hates pride, that it is a front to who he is, and that he, uh, that he brings down those who are lifted up and he lifts up those who are cast down, I want us to see that the heart of God is gracious to all sinners, including those who are filled with pride. That God loves every single individual, even those who thumb their, uh, who thumb their nose at God and, and think that they are self-sufficient in and of themselves. I want us to take a look at an individual who's so filled with pride that God got, had to go to extreme measures just to bring him down to where he truly was. And so if you have your uh, copy of God's Word, I want to invite you to turn to the fourth chapter of the book of Daniel. And there in the fourth chapter of the book of Daniel, we're going to read about uh, an account uh, from the life of Nebuchadnezzar. Now, this is a, a really an astounding passage of Scripture. In my, uh, in my understanding of God's Word, I don't know of any other passage in God's Word where we have a first-hand account testimonial from a pagan king. We have throughout Scripture, again, Scripture is a compilation of all different types of writing throughout hundreds and hundreds of years, written by shepherds, written by kings, written by prophets and priests. But here... In the fourth chapter of the book of Daniel, we have the pagan king Nebuchadnezzar actually giving testimony, firsthand account of his relationship, his interactions with the one true and living God. Here in Nebuchadnezzar's uh, lifetime, this is probably towards the end of his life and of his reign. He has conquered nation after nation. Most of the known world at this time was under his reign and his rule. He had gone throughout his kingdom and he had built some of the most amazing works of art and architecture. The, uh, the hanging gardens, one of the uh, wonders of the ancient world, were created by him. And as he looks out at all, of the, all the things that he has been able to accomplish, his heart begins to be filled with pride. And so I want us to pick up in Daniel chapter 4, and we're going to look in verse 1, and here's what Nebuchadnezzar says. He starts this passage off with praising God. He says, Nebuchadnezzar the king, to all the peoples, nations, and languages that dwell in all the earth, peace be multiplied to you. Now notice, he, he's all, this is all in first person, what he says. I thought it good to declare the signs and wonders that the Most High God has worked 
for me. How great are his signs and how mighty are his wonders and his kingdom is, ever, is an everlasting kingdom and his dominion is from generation to generation. Now here what we see is Nebuchadnezzar kind of gives us a prelude that he is worshiping the one true and living God. Now we're going to come back to that in just a moment because what Nebuchadnezzar does is he sandwiches uh, this amazing testimony that he's about to give us with praise. The first part of this passage is praising God. The last few verses of this chapter is again praising God. But in the middle, you see that Nebuchadnezzar goes through an incredible period of hardship. And he brought it upon himself because he got so full of himself and what he was able to create that he took his eyes off of God and lifted himself up. And I believe that what Nebuchadnezzar tells us in these preceding verses is a warning to each and every one of us. Be careful. Because even though you may have a great job, even though you may have uh, money in your savings account, even though your family may be doing well, your health may be doing well, listen, all of those things are a blessing from God. All those things are gifts from your Heavenly Father. And yes, you should enjoy them, and yes, you should uh, 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 take pride in them, but don't for a moment think that you did it all by yourself. And don't for a moment think that your Heavenly Father can't take those blessings away if they distract from the greatest blessing of your life, and that is your relationship with Jesus Christ. So I want us to take a look at what uh, Nebuchadnezzar does here. He first has this dream, and you know throughout the book of Daniel, he's had dream after dream after dream. Uh, many of them are very uh, strange symbols that he had to get Daniel to interpret. This is, uh, he has a similar situation in this passage as well. He has a dream of this great colossal tree that begins to envelop the entire world. That all the animals of all creation uh, come under this tree. The birds are resting in the uh, tree limbs. All the animals are hiding up underneath the shade and comfort. But then all of a sudden, there's a voice from heaven that says, Cut down the tree. Scatter the animals. Put iron bands around the tree. And let it stay that way for seven years. And obviously this concerned Nebuchadnezzar. He was fearful of what this might mean. So he gathered all of his counsel, all of his wise men around, but none of them could interpret. And so then he goes to the one person that has always been able to steer him in the right direction, Daniel. And here's what Daniel says. After he hears the king's dream, it says this in verse 19. It says, Then Daniel, whose name was Belteshazzar, was astonished, for a time. So after hearing the king's dream, he, he's concerned, he's, he's worried, and it says his thoughts troubled him. So the king spoke and said, Belteshazzar, do not let the dream or its interpretation trouble you. Belteshazzar answered and said, My lord, may the dream, may the dream concern those who hate you. And its interpretation concern your enemy. So pause there for just a moment. Daniel's basically saying, as soon as he heard the dream, he knew exactly what was going on. And he's heartbroken for what this means for the, his king. And he says, listen, king, I wish that, that what I'm about to tell you would apply to your enemies and to those who hate you. But here's what it means. Here's the interpretation. He says, the tree that you saw, verse 20, the tree that you saw, which grew and became strong, whose height reached the heavens, which could be seen by all the earth, whose leaves were lovely and its fruits abundant, and which was food for all, under which the beast of the field dwelt, and in whose branches the birds of heaven had made their home. It is you, O king, who have grown 
and become strong. For your greatness has grown and it reaches the heavens and your dominion to the end of the earth. And inasmuch as the king saw the watcher, now pause there for just a moment. Just for those who aren't familiar with the book of Daniel, this is one of the only passages of Scripture where uh, this term watcher is given, this holy ones and these watchers who are watching mankind. This is a term that Daniel uses throughout the book, uh, referring to God's heavenly host, his angelic uh, council who are watching uh, the affairs of men and often come to give them messengers. And so this voice from heaven is one of the angels of heaven speaking to Nebuchadnezzar, and here's what it says. It says, coming down from heaven and saying, chop down the tree and destroy it, but leave its stump and roots in the earth, bound with a band of iron and bronze in the tender grass of the field. Let it be wet with the dew of heaven and let him graze with the beast of the field till seven times pass over him. So here's what Daniel is telling him. Nebuchadnezzar, this dream is about you. And just like you saw that statue that was built up and you were the head of gold because your kingdom was surpassing all other kingdoms that would come after you, here this tree is also talking about your greatness, but it's also talking about your pride. And king, it has been proclaimed against you from heaven to be cut down. But you won't be completely destroyed because the stump will remain. And it'll be for seven times. Uh, Some translations say seven periods, or even others will say seven years you will remain in this state. He goes on, he says this in verse 24. He says, this is the interpretation, O king, and this is the decree of the Most High, which has come upon my Lord and King. They shall drive you from men. Your dwelling shall be with the beast of the field, and they shall make you eat grass like oxen. They shall wet you with the dew of heaven, and seven times will pass over you till you know that the Most High rules in the kingdom of men and gives it to whomever He chooses. And as much as they have, com- uh, have the command to leave the stump and the roots of the tree, your kingdom shall be assured to you after you come to know that heaven rules. Now, I want to pause because this next verse, I want you, if you highlight or you underline in uh, your Bible, I want you to just make note of this next verse because I believe that this is the crux of what Daniel wanted Nebuchadnezzar to know at this time. I think this is the crux of what God wanted Nebuchadnezzar to know, and it's the crux of what I think God wants us to know today from this passage. Verse 27 says, Therefore, in light of what you've seen, king, here's what you need to know. It says, Therefore, O king, let my advice be acceptable to you. Break off your sins by being righteous and your iniquities by showing mercy to the poor. Perhaps there may be a lengthening of your prosperity. Here Daniel says, listen, king, not only am I going to interpret your dream for you, but I'm going to tell you what you need to do in light of your dream. Because listen, Nebuchadnezzar, you did not just get this dream so that God, uh, he didn't just want to show you this dream to give you something interesting to look at. He's warning you, God is showing you grace, O king. God is showing you mercy by warning you in advance what's going to happen if you don't turn from your ways. And he says, repent. 
turn away and begin doing righteousness. I, I, I find it very interesting that Daniel even hones in on uh, a specific of how Nebuchadnezzar needs to begin living his life. He says, begin showing mercy to the poor. You look throughout God's Word, and especially in the, in the Old Testament, one of the key aspects of living a godly and righteous life was to show mercy and kindness to those who were poor, those who were defenseless. And he says, Nebuchadnezzar, you've done great things. You've conquered lands and you've built great structures and you've established a name for yourself that will go on for years and years and years. But you've neglected those who God has put under your care. He has elevated you to this power, not so that you could hoard all the blessings for yourself, but that you could be a blessing to others. Nebuchadnezzar, if you don't turn, God is going to humble you. Listen. I think there is an important word for each and every one of us here in this passage. We have been given a great opportunity in the days that we have. We've been given one of the greatest nations on the face of the earth, one of the greatest nations that have ever existed where we have freedoms that most people can't even begin to dream of. We have opportunities like never before. The question is, are we going to amass it all for ourselves, hoard it all for ourselves, plan our own lives so that we can have the, the nice house with the white picket fence and the, the, the two point, uh, what is it, 2.5 kids? Are we going to have the perfect life, the American dream for ourselves? Are we going to take the opportunities and the blessings that God has so graciously given each and every one of us so that we can bless those around us? Are we going to sit on all the gifts that God has given us or are we going to take time to thank Him and pour back praise and thanksgiving to our Heavenly Father who has so richly blessed each and every one of us. As I was looking through this passage and I was thinking about Nebuchadnezzar's life, I was amazed at how often God was blessing this pagan king. Not only do we see in the very first chapter of the book of Daniel that here is the God of the universe and He, rises, he raises up this uh, pagan king who is worshiping idols and other gods, but God gives him power and success in subduing the other nations. Not only that, but as we look throughout the book of Daniel and we see this pagan king, we see time and time again God was giving this king dreams after dreams, dreams of the future and what other kingdoms would be like, dreams of what uh, God was doing in his life and in the lives of other people. And not only did God speak to this pagan king who was worshiping other idols and other gods, but God also gave him wise counsel in the shape of uh, Daniel, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, who would give him counsel and help steer him towards the godly path that God wanted for him and wants for each and every one of us as well. Not only that, not only did God bless him in all those ways, time and time again, God would warn Nebuchadnezzar when he was stepping outside God's will. God was fully within his rights to strike down the king right then and there. But he didn't. He warned him. Not only does he warn him as you go through and look in this passage, God gives him a year to heed the warning in this dream and to repent. Now I wonder, as I, as I, thought, as I thought through uh, this passage and the, the abundant grace that God was heaping upon this pagan king, I thought about us and our nation. And how long-suffering and patient God has been with us. After we, we have constantly turned our back away from God, after we have run after pride and greed, after we ha have uh, killed countless 
unborn children, and yet God is still patient with us. And as far and as fast as we can run from God, he is still running after us and chasing after us. God truly is amazing. He's gracious and he's loving and he wants us, all all of us, our nation to turn back to him. But more than that, God loves you and God loves me. And as I think about my own life and how so often I have been filled with pride and so often I've run away from God, even though I knew what was right and what God would have me to do, I so often choose my own sin and what I want. And yet God is always right there fighting for me giving me warning after warning, chance after chance to turn back to him. And even when I don't and he disciplines me, he disciplines me in love. What a wonderful God we serve. Every day we should wake up and praise God just like Nebuchadnezzar did in the the first few verses of this chapter because he is amazing and he moves on behalf of his people whom he loves even when we don't deserve it. When I look through this passage and I see how God is blessing him, I can't help but think how God has blessed me. Maybe God has you here today because he's wanting to warn you that he loves you. But maybe there's something in your life that he is trying to draw your attention to. Maybe you've forgotten who God is and what he's done in your life. So often we're quick to pour out our request to God, but how often are we... Uh, to take time to just give him thanks. So often we want to make our plans and then ask God to bless it instead of stopping and asking him, what are his plans for our life? And so I just encourage you here in this moment, listen to that still, small voice of your heavenly father who's whispering to you, calling you back to himself. I want to pause here for just a moment and just encourage you to consider the ways that God may be speaking to you here in this moment. We know that first and foremost, God has given us his holy word. He has given us this word so that we will know his will and so that we will see, as Pastor Darrell said at the earlier service, that it's like a mirror that when God holds it up to me, I can see all the things that I normally can't see in myself. And it's not so that we can uh, feel bad about ourselves, but so that we can see who I am and who he is. Are you getting in God's word? Are you listening for how he speaks to you? Don't just read it so that you can uh, check off a little to-do list and feel better about yourself, but truly read it so you can know who you are and who he is. Not only does God warn us in his word about uh, the things in our life that we need to get uh, uh, straight and we need to give over to him, but think about it. He has given us his Holy Spirit to live in our hearts. This is something that the saints of the Old Testament could not even begin to imagine. It wasn't until Jesus came to live, to die, and to rise again that the Holy Spirit came to live in mortal man. And now the temple of God is not buildings made of brick and mortar, but it's it's people made of flesh and blood, made in the image of God. And now we can hear God speak to us without having to go to a priest or a pastor. God can speak directly to us because he's given us this Holy Spirit who convicts us of sin and draws us back to himself. God has given us this word. He's given us this Holy Spirit, but he's also given us one another. How wonderful it is it to come together and worship with the body of Christ. 
How great is it that when we can come together and we can sing praises to God and we can encourage one another and hold one another accountable. I can't tell you how many times I've been blessed by brothers or sisters in Christ who have come to me either to speak words of encouragement or to say, listen, Jim, I, I love you, and the reason why, and, and it's because that I love you that I'm going to bring this up to you that you probably don't want to hear, but you're getting outside of God's will, and you need, to, you need to think about this. I remember there was a time in my ministry where I was really struggling with, with doubts and with worries, and I was really getting frustrated, and I was really getting anxious about, you know, do I, do I need to stay in the ministry? Do I need to step out of the ministry? And I remember there was a, a moment, and I hadn't shared this with anyone at that time, but I was doing some business at, at a courthouse. I think it was a national day of prayer or something along those lines, and as I was leaving the courthouse, a complete stranger came up to me and said, listen, I don't, I don't know what's going on in your life, but I just felt that God was telling me to encourage you to stick with it, to stay close to him. Didn't know me from, any, from anyone else on the street, but God laid it upon their heart to come and speak that word of encouragement that I needed to hear in that moment. That's what the body of Christ does. You listen to God. You listen to his word. You listen to the Holy Spirit. You listen to your brothers and sisters in Christ as we help one another on this journey that God has put us on. And if we won't listen to those things, then often God will speak to us through circumstances that he brings into our life. Some of those good circumstances, some of those difficult circumstances. But he'll speak to us through those pivotal moments that guide us and direct us toward his will. And that's what God does to Nebuchadnezzar. He wouldn't listen to anyone else. He wouldn't even listen to Daniel and the dream that God had given him. And so God had to bring difficult circumstances to him. And so we read here in verse 28, it says this, all this came upon King Nebuchadnezzar. At the end of the 12 months, he was walking in the royal palace of Babylon. The king spoke, is not this great Babylon that I have built for a royal dwelling by my mighty power and for the honor of of my majesty. And while the word was still on the king's mouth, a voice fell from heaven. King Nebuchadnezzar, to you it is spoken, the kingdom has departed from you. And they shall drive you from men, and your dwelling shall be with the beasts of the field, and they shall make you eat grass like oxen. And seven times shall pass over you until you know that the Most High rules in the kingdom of men and gives it to whoever he chooses. That very hour the word was fulfilled concerning Nebuchadnezzar. He was driven from men and ate grass like oxen and his body was wet with the dew of heaven till his hair had grown like eagle's feathers and his nails like bird's Laws. Here is an amazing account of what happened to Nebuchadnezzar. Because he was so full of pride and he thought more of himself than he did about the God who had graciously given him all that he had, he was struck and his mind was taken from him. The amazing thing about God's word is that time and time again it proves faithful and it proves true. And the, one of the amazing things about this passage is that the Babylonians kept incredible historical records. And there is actually an account in the Babylonian Texas of history about a king that was driven crazy for around seven years. 
And not only that, but it says in the Babylonian text, not God's word, but in the history of Babylon, about this king who went crazy and began acting like an animal until a young Jewish person came and helped regain his composure and his state of mind. God's word is amazing. God's word is true, and it's infallible. And God's word has been given to us to warn us that this is what can happen to each and every one of us. Now, I'm not saying that that means that if you get so full of pride that God's going to strike you uh, with some mental illness that you go off and begin living like the animals. But here's what God's word does say. That when we who are created in the image of God take our eyes off the one whom we were created to resemble and to point glory and honor to, and we begin looking at ourselves or looking at creation and, and filling our hearts with what we can do, we become less like God and more like animals. We become less like God, and we become more like the beast around us. You see this throughout all of Scripture, even in the book of Daniel, time and time again, as he has vision after vision of the kingdoms of men who rise, uh, raise themselves up, he calls them beasts. He says they're lepers, or they're bears, or they're lions, because men left to their own devices, apart from God, we become like beasts. We devour one another. It becomes the law of the jungle, uh, survival of the fittest. You look throughout Scripture and all throughout Scripture, man left to his own devices becomes more and more like beasts. You go all the way to the end uh, in the book of Revelation, you see that there is this beast of an empire that tramples the earth. You see the, this one who rises up and gives, them, uh, gives the people the mark of the beast because we left to ourselves become like animals. This is a warning to each and every one of us. In fact, Paul goes on and says this in the book of Romans. Romans chapter 1, if you want to jot this down and look at it later. Romans chapter 1, I'm going to read verses uh, 22 and 23. Here's what he says about how we get further and further away from God and God continues to give us over to our sin and our lawlessness. He says, professing to be wise, they become fools. They change the glory of the incorruptible God into the image made like corruptible man and birds and four-footed animals and creeping things. It's once been said that we become more and more like what we worship. If you worship God, the gracious, loving, forgiving God, uh, forgiving God that uh, we see throughout Scripture, then that is what we've become. We become more and more Christ-like. But the more I worship myself, the more I worship all of creation, the more I become like a beast. Nebuchadnezzar, his mind was taken from him, and he became that which we all become when we get away from God. Notice what it says here in verses 34 and following. Here, Nebuchadnezzar finally regains his mind, and it says this, And at the end of the time, I... Nebuchadnezzar lifted my eyes to heaven, and my understanding returned to me, and I blessed the Most High, and praised and honored him who lives forever. For his dominion is everlasting, is an everlasting dominion, and his kingdom is from generation to generation. All the inhabitants of the earth are reputed as nothing. He does according to his will in the army of heaven and among the inhabitants of the earth. No one can restrain his hand or say to him, What have you done? 
at the same time, my reason returned to me. And for the glory of my kingdom, my honor, and splendor returned to me. My counselors and nobles resorted to me. And I was restored to my kingdom. An excellent majesty was added to me. Now I, Nebuchadnezzar, praise and extol and honor the king of heaven, all of whose work works in truth and his ways justice. And those who walk in pride, he is able to put down. Here is what we, uh, the last that we ever hear of Nebuchadnezzar. The last we ever see about him in Scripture. He is humbled to the point where now he recognizes, I may be king of the earth, but there's one who reigns even higher than me. I may be able to subdue all men around me, but he is the one who is able to bring me low. And so I'm going to praise him and lift him high. We don't know whether or not Nebuchadnezzar was actually a believer and whether or not he, he truly trusted in uh, the, the uh, king of kings and lord of lords. But it, it's interesting to note that these are his last recorded words in all of Scripture. Maybe, maybe he did finally accept that he is man and God is God. But that's really not the point whether or not Nebuchadnezzar trusted God and knew God for who he truly was. The question is, what about you? And what about me? Do I accept that no matter what I'm able to accomplish in this life, God is the one who is able to achieve it in and through me? He's the one who gives me strength. He's the one who gives me intellect. He's the one who gives me opportunity to do all that I can do. And the same is true of each and every one of you. God has blessed you in incredible ways. Give him the praise. Give him the glory. Make sure that you don't let your pride hinder you from experiencing all the blessings God wants to pour into your life. God has you here right now for this message so that you will hear this. I don't know what God is laying on your heart, what, he's, what, what he wants you to bring to him today, but I do know that no one is here by accident. God has a purpose. Are you listening? Are you ready to follow him and do whatever he asks you without question, without reservation, following him? Even if it means going into the fiery furnace, into the lion's den, or wherever it may lead, taking up your cross and following your King of kings and Lord of lords. Because it's not about you. And it's not about me. It's all about him. In just a moment, we're going to have an opportunity to go to God to pour our heart out to him. Maybe it's a heart of thanksgiving. You just want to thank God for all that he's done. Maybe it's been a while since you've just prayed without asking anything, but just thanking him for all that he has done in your life. By all means, go to your heavenly father. Crawl up into his lap and just thank him for his grace, his mercy, and his love. Maybe you realize today, you know what? I've been thinking too much of myself. All my thoughts are about me and my family and, and, and my stuff. And I haven't been thinking about God. Talk to him. That's why he has you here. So you can begin addressing those things that have hindered your relationship with your loving, heavenly Father. Let me pray with you as we go into our time of invitation. Father, thank you so much for who you are. Father, as I look at my own life and I see that time and time again, Lord, my eyes get distracted. Lord, I'm focusing on myself or other things. 
But Father, you are the most important thing in my life. Lord, you are the most important thing in our day, Lord. And we, sh we should constantly, daily come to you, Lord, and just praise you. For you are worth it. So Father, I just pray that in this time, in our invitation, Lord, that you would be lifted high. Lord, let every distraction fall by the wayside. Lord, Lord let every concern just fade away. And Lord, let us just see a glimpse of you here and now. Lord, work in our life as only you can. We'll give you the glory and all the praise for it. And we ask this in Christ's name. Amen.